Welcome to the Boutique Hotel News podcast. Here we share the latest news, comment and opinion from across the boutique, luxury and lifestyle sectors, along with thought-provoking interviews with industry leaders. My name's Eloise Hansen, news editor at BHN and host of this week's episode. Today I'm speaking to the team at Mapel, a hospitality management solution and operating system, where we talk about how hotels can overcome the reopening challenges, ways to recruit and onboard talent, and how to maintain brand and service standards with on and offline training and development. So thank you, Haley and James, for joining me today um, in this podcast. And I'd like to begin with some um, brief introductions and whether you can share your hospitality background. So Haley, let's begin with you. Yeah, thank you very much, Eloise. Um, so I am Haley Kyle. I'm the Customer Success Director from a PAL group in the UK. Um, and yeah, my, my background very much is hospitality. Um, my parents have owned hotels um, since I was born. And um, yeah, I kind of, I suppose you could then say, was born into the industry and um, from a very young age was it asked to sort of earn my pocket money by doing housekeeping and um, cleaning up after breakfast service and things at the weekend. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's a, a, a sort of it's a way of life for me. And it's never just been seen as anything that's like a, a job or things that people need to do. I absolutely love it. Um, and I think having the opportunity to grow up in that industry has has really set me up um, as a person. It helped me probably, I think, a little bit more than necessarily my, my schooling and my education of just how to sort of like survive in life. It taught me a lot of life skills, um, pe- dealing with different people, different cultures, welcoming people into what was essentially my home. Um, so yeah, I, I just feel like no matter what I did, in the next stages of my life after sort of um, school and everything, I was always going to be pulled back to hospitality. So that is funnily enough where I've continued um, my um, my career. And even after leaving um, working for my parents, I did work in numerous different um, hospitality locations, some in, um, around the world, in particular in Australia. Um, and it just again cemented my my passion and love for being part of such a fantastic industry. Um, and when I did come back to the UK after my travels, I was lucky enough to work for the Montpellier Group in Edinburgh and um, quite quickly became part of that family, um, a fantastic business um, and some even to this day still amazing people that I have very uh, close to me, some really close friends. Um, and yeah, then the Montpellier Group actually had the original idea of, of setting up Flow Learning. So the flow learning um, solution was, um, I suppose, born from the need of the business in Montpellier's expanding, needing to consistently train and um, and expand with the size of the business. So as they opened one of their flagship um, locations, Tiger Lily, they had an extra sort of two, 300 people they needed to train quite quickly. So this all inspired them to think about how can we effectively um, make sure that we get across our, our training, our learning, our culture um, and our, our guest and customer focus sort of mentality. So um, full learning was born through that. And quite quickly, having sat and completed the learning, made as a manager, got my staff to complete some of the learning. 
I saw an opportunity and was asked if I wanted to join the flow side of the business and um, I've never looked back. So that was 11 years ago. And <laughs> from there, it's just grown arms and legs. So I'm hugely delighted to still be part of a business that originated from like the essential and common needs that we all know within hospitality. Um, it is about looking after our people, making sure that they're confident and knowledgeable in what they do. And we've seen it grow from just a, a core set of online modules to an entire LMS platform. Um, and back in 2019, I think then we realized that to continue that growth and to excel and to become a real market um, leader and competitor out there when it comes to LMS solutions, we needed to expand our wings as well. And that's when the opportunity to um, to become part of a wider group was presented to us. Um, and yeah, so now we are part of the Mapal group and lots more to offer than just full learning, which is super exciting. My background is also um, in, has always been in hospitality and I've also worked in a, a few hotels in my time and I'm pretty sure I've experienced the Flow Learning platform at some <laughs> point in my have, life. Yeah, <laughs> um, most people have. And I think that's the nice thing. It is actually recognised as a hospitality learning provider. Um, and so, again, if it, no matter what your sort of experience might have been, if it was a, a good number of years ago, it definitely has gr um, evolved um, quite drastically since then. Um, and we continue to make sure that it is as, um, as sort of on trend uh, with the, the learning solutions that we need to provide um, and competitive with what um, other people provide as well. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Hayley. And James, let's hand over to you for uh, an introduction and, and your hospitality background. Thanks, Eloise. Yeah, it's, uh, my, my background is, is somewhat uh, parallel to Haley's actually. So I, uh, I grew up in hospitality. My parents owned a restaurant, a pub and Cornish, Cornish pasty bakery for a while. And uh, I, I managed to escape the family business, went to study law, hated it, came back to hospitality relatively quickly. And uh, actually, I started my career in hotels, really, uh, my professional hospitality career. Uh, not that I'm saying that my family businesses weren't professional, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what you're saying there, James? <laughs> I started out at Glen Eagles Hotel in Scotland and um, spent some time there before uh, traveling for a while and picking up jobs as I went back to Glen Eagles again and then moved to New Zealand to open a uh, boutique hotel actually so it's uh, it's quite apt to be here speaking to you we were 26 bedrooms with uh, a restaurant that ended up becoming one of the top 50 uh, restaurants in Australia and New Zealand uh, it was an incredible challenge and uh, from there actually based off some real success of particularly around digital marketing and getting the the property out there from a reputational standpoint and I think my view had always been that F&B is the heartbeat of a hotel and that if you get F&B right in a boutique hotel and everything else flows through mm -hmm. and I think a lot of other people hadn't seen that I mean if for, for those people that have traveled Australia and New Zealand what you'll recognize is that the accommodation is often quite uh, service department orientated so to be able to put a brand in a boutique boutique hotel wrapping fundamentally around that really really stood out in the market and I think that I was then asked to consult on various other projects and it kind of grew into me being involved in various agencies and consultancy businesses mm -hmm. uh, and yeah and then working for a quite a large uh, restaurant operator owning 24 restaurants in the UK and then I think that uh, amongst all of that, I started working with a private equity firm called Providence Strategic Growth as a consultant. 
and that private equity firm uh, had had decided that they were going to start acquiring hospitality technology businesses. And we uh, helped them in acquiring the business map out. I then got involved in, in the organization itself rather than just as a consultant and joined the team as chief marketing officer. And we now have uh, five different companies that have been brought together with, with incredible products across the spectrum from workforce management to the flow learning platform that Haley talked about, uh, including a, a really great uh, operational management tool and compliance tool. So it's uh, it's a really fascinating time to be involved in hospitality technology. And for many people, mm. they think that um, think that people would be cutting back in these areas because of COVID. And actually, what we're seeing is quite the reverse: of people doubling down on the the need for technology and doubling down on. Uh, the the opportunity to fundamentally improve their efficiencies and improve how they communicate and and uh, engage with their teams really so it's quite a quite a cool place to be right now i was i was listening to a podcast just yesterday actually um around hospitality technology particularly on the operations and um and they were saying that the operations isn't really going to change much, but the technology is there to make it more efficient, to make it more seamless and to help with that reopening, which brings me quite nicely onto my next question. Um, And I'd like to start with James here about perhaps using your experience working within hotels, but also your experience on the technology side. What has been some of the greatest operational challenges for hotels and how is the sector preparing to reopen? quite a big question to start off with but we'll do our best I think that uh, operationally I think that frankly we know that hospitality is 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 no better than your than your your weakest link of the the, the team member that uh, the team that you've got and I think that what we recognize is that ultimately your team is everything and people are everything we're a, we're a people business and uh, without those people uh, really delivering Frankly, as I said before, we're just service departments, right? <laughs> and I think that the, that's the biggest challenge I hear from people over and over again is, aside from the kind of political element of financially trying to get through what has been a horrendous year and uh, will continue to be a pretty terrible next few months, I'm sure, that operationally, how do you get from a standing start back open again into probably a very busy summer for boutique hotels particularly mm. with having a really really uh, small amount of team left after you've seen the kind of uh, exodus of uh, our, our European colleagues back to Europe the uh, various people move into other sectors and of course people deciding that they weren't going to come back from furlough and I think that that's going to really be the, the the toughest challenge is how do we get back up and running to that to be able to deliver on our service at ex, uh, the expectations of service and the standards that we would hope uh, and our our customers are ultimately going to be looking for. And I think on that point, we actually delivered a survey a few weeks ago, and we spoke to over 70 hospitality businesses and some of them were restaurants but a lot of them were hotels and really asked them about what were they thinking and what was the concerns that they had about reopening and Hayley's actually got some really great stats on that so yeah. I'll maybe pass over to Hayley. Thank you James. Um, I mean when we were talking with um, a, a group of um, fellow um, 
hoteliers and, and operators a couple of weeks ago in some of our webinars about these results, some really interesting comments and feedback came from them. But there was this consistent message of, um, well, the, the challenges of, of recruitment and getting obviously everything ramped up to be able to open quite quickly in a short space of time. And you've got those fundamental challenges of we've got people who unfortunately have had months of not working. How do you get them back into that mentality of of hospitality, which, as we all know, when it's busy, there is no time um, to sort of um what's the word I'm looking for to to start gently you almost start with a bang and that's probably what's going to be expected of everyone in the coming um weeks when the doors open um is the excitement and um desire for um, our customers to come back to us to the hotels to bars and restaurants um has I think already proven to be um, a very high demand. I think right now you're struggling to find anywhere that you can make a booking with an outdoor area in the coming weeks, right? Um, and so how do you get people that have had, unfortunately, months of maybe not working or disrupted work patterns back into the environment to be able to deliver, as James mentioned, that great experience, that customer expectation of service? Um, and I think consistently the, the operators that we were speaking with, and in particular from some of the, the hotel groups, um, were, were kind of of the mentality, let's not change too much of what we've done. Um, so when we look to the, the survey results, there was obviously a huge focus on, well, time is, is a real like challenging factor. We don't have much time to do this. Um, and how do we then make sure in the short space of time we've got before we open those doors that we can deliver great quality, we get our, um, our teams up to speed and confident in everything that they're doing so that that guest experience is exactly as they would expect it to be. Because um, again, I suppose there, there feels that... I know that the, the industry is going to be saturated with people wanting to mm. come and enjoy hospitality, but at the end of the day, it's going to be super competitive, right? You're going to have to make sure that your offering absolutely is the best it can be to retain and have that return business. So how do you get people to, to be able to deliver um, that sort of standard when they've had such a, a longer period off work? Um, so these were consistently challenges everyone was speaking about, but just going back to some of the feedback we, we also discussed was don't change what you've done before, stick to what you know as a business. So you as a hotelier will know what your offering is, what your market is mm -hmm. and what your customers expect. And it's really, really essential that you don't try and, and get lost in all of this. You want to make sure that everyone um, is focusing on what you did before, what was successful. Mm -hmm. But you will have to start maybe tweaking some of your offerings um, and in particular, your, your sort of offering to um, your employees and what you can give to them to enhance them to want to work with you. It's going to be a really competitive um, market for um, recruitment and employees will have have a lot of choice and options available to them. So how do we make sure that we are attracting the right people and we get commitment from them? Because I think, again, one of the, the other concerns and um, key sort of um, results back from the survey was to do with the churn risk of employees. How do we make sure that we don't just employ them this week and in a couple of weeks time, they unfortunately decide maybe the, the hotel down the, the road or the bar across the road offers something slightly different. I'm going to go and work for them as well. So how do we make sure that all the time and energy and effort that we're spending in educating and, and training everyone up, getting them confident, 
getting them to a standard that we want to deliver great customer experience and retain those people mm-hmm. so that in a couple of weeks time they don't think oh I wonder what else is out there um, so they were definitely some of the key call outs from the the survey results that we had um, obviously there was a couple of other um, factors that people were consistently a little bit concerned and worried about and that comes down to even the cost of, of training and recruitment which mm-hmm. ties into I suppose the the turn um, risk that we have um, and then remaining compliant as well I think a couple of the other messages that I took loud and clear from conversations that we've had previously was that um, compliance is obviously absolutely essential but we don't want that to detract from that experience that everyone is going to have so when customers walk in your door it doesn't feel like we're all still very segregate, segregated and that there's two meter distances everywhere and big plastic screens up and we need to try and make sure that that experience is as welcoming as possible so these were definitely um challenges and concerns of everybody but i think it, going back to that main point is if everyone focuses on what they did well the first time around and that they always did well not to change everything too drastically and to really just focus on getting the right people to come and be part of your team mm-hmm. and invest in them you will then see that success through um through your, your team members and then obviously um impacting that guest experience as well mm-hmm. i mean pre-pandemic there was great focus on customer loyalty it was all about the guest right and how do you attract and capture that demand and now it's all definitely shifted perhaps as a result of brexit it's been an ongoing um, conversation but in terms of attracting and retaining your staff has become such a big um, conversation in hospitality at the moment and I'd like to pick up on um, what you were saying just then Haley, about yep. recruiting and onboarding um, talent what should these businesses be considering when they are looking at recruitment and how can it be done successfully yep I suppose um, the last couple of weeks, everyone's probably been looking at making sure they update job descriptions, that they make it really clear as to what will be expected of anyone applying for roles. Um, But I think we're also going to see quite a a big change in the the way that even um, our our team members expect to work in hospitality. So um, there's going to be a little bit of a a change um, on both sides when it comes to the working hours, the working expectations. Um, We need to make sure that people feel um, that they have options, that working lifestyle, sorry, the work-lifestyle balance Mm -hmm. is definitely there because I think if anything that um, COVID has has taught us all, it is to maybe value and enjoy time off, time with friends, time with family. And that's going to be key and essential for people to retain. Um, So when it comes to recruitment, I feel that um, hoteliers and operators are very much going to want to, to look at not just what roles covered before, but how can they make those um, job roles um, a little bit more um, flexible? So mm. potentially there will be um, a lot more um, combined uh, roles. So people can potentially work a, a couple of different roles within a business, not just focusing on one. So potentially housekeeping um, and working front of house might be something that people are, are quite happy to share and then have a balance of maybe working some mornings versus some evenings so that they aren't consistently always doing night shifts or longer um, hours in the evening. Um, and that type of um, opportunity and 
I suppose, um, reward for hard work is what people are looking for. They want to make sure that they can be part of a fantastic industry and, and work um, the hours that are required, but know that it can allow them to enjoy their lifestyle at the same time. Um, so the, the making sure that the job roles are quite clear on how this can be um, a real huge benefit to people. And, and for lots of um, people out there that have maybe never considered a career in hospitality before, when we looked at some of the um, survey results, there was obviously that question mark about um, will potentially people be put off working within hospitality because of this last 12 months and the uncertainty should anything like this ever happen again um, but interestingly when you look at some other sectors that are out there um, care for example we know that they have had an equally um, as challenging and, and sort of exhausting time potentially um, someone who is still very people focused but doesn't want to be in that environment would maybe consider more um, the hospitality sector so I think we're going to see a lot more crossover from other sectors um, quite keen and excited to be part of hospitality and let's not forget all of us who are part of um, this wonderful um, sector know how enjoyable it is like there's nothing more rewarding than great shifts and successful weeks and happy customers um, and that's what we all do it for right we, we do it for that smile and for that customer to say you've just you've made my experience you've made my day whatever they're doing whether it's um, a celebration or just a, a time to relax and um, catch up with friends and family to be the person that helps them achieve that is is so rewarding I think really tangibly there's there's two distinct things that people can do to get ready with recruiting and onboarding the first one is to uh, really change your mindset around what an interview is and what it's designed for. I think in the past, we've had a very uh, one-way approach that an interview is about us checking whether this person is the right fit for my business. And I think that, frankly, that's out the window this year. We're going to be remarkably challenged the number of candidates that apply for jobs because frankly there's going to be a huge demand and not enough not enough labor in the market to be able to cover it so mm -hmm. what i'd suggest is before going into these interviews let's reverse it around think to yourself how can i sell my business to this person as the place they should come and work and what can you give them and what can you bring to them? And if your answer is 16 hour days, late shifts followed by early shifts or constant bombardment of lots and lots of uh, different tasks and a lack of a lack of reward for that you're probably not going to be well placed. If you can reply back and say, actually, we're really focused on improving and developing you as an individual, that actually we're going to let you cross train in different areas of the hotel to be able to build your own skills. And what is it you want out of this? I think that's going to be really important. The second one is, okay, they, they've come, they've agreed to work with you. But as we know, there's going to be a huge demand continuing right through this year for 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 people across different parts of the industry so how do you get that person to stay with you and actually within that first hundred days I think that it was uh, one of the one of the US presidents really doubled down this first hundred days and I think think about that entirely I think it's one of the things that we see the flow platform being used for a lot is people thinking about the training and delivery in the first hundred days but also the coffee chats the appraisals all of that stuff within it it's not just about getting people compliant getting them on the floor or in the kitchen and starting to make the most out of their 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 presence frankly let's make sure that they absolutely feel valued
continued. And I, we, we saw one statistic from a Whitbread, so Premier Rin's uh, deck a few weeks ago that suggested that if within the first seven days you have a sit down and a coffee chat with an individual, it's the one individual thing you can do that will most likely make that person stay. So like commit that time and that energy and I think you're you're on to a winner. It's um, very well said, James. <laughs> I um, like I mentioned, I I've I've worked in hotels and and the the opportunities to develop not just personally but professionally. Um, Haley, you talked about this in your introduction about how it has made you the person that you are today. Yeah. But um, it's having that um consistent framework in place to ensure that you are able to achieve what it is that you have set out to achieve as a person. And, and I think what you, you highlighted there, James, is um, we're going to see a fundamental shift in the way that we recruit and onboard hospitality talent. But I would like to bring up the B word. We're gonna have to revisit Brexit. And I'd like to ask Haley whether you think Brexit has impacted the job market for hotels. Yeah. Um- it will in some ways. It's, it's inevitable that Brexit will have an impact on everything to do with employment in, in the UK. However, um, I feel that we, we know again that there are a lot of very capable, talented local um, residents within the UK who absolutely fit the mould for being able to work in our businesses. Um, and everything that James just touched on is, is absolutely key there. Um, we we know we can offer so much opportunity to um, to our employees when it comes to working within the hotel environment, not just because um, there are multiple roles, um, we can again be flexible and import their, their working um, life balances. Um, I think when it comes to maybe potentially hotels and boutique hotels in particular, maybe the um, the day has again passed of expecting lots of live-in um, staff that have come from the EU that um, are very much here to work um, or balance work with university studies. That type of mentality, as James has, has previously highlighted, is what we probably do need to, to shift and, and move away from. Um, but we have a lot of very capable local UK um, workers that um, absolutely can fill any gaps that might now be left from the Brexit situation. Um, And we know that there are so many opportunities for them. We just need to make sure that they're all aware of what those are and we need to shout loudly about it to entice them into a fantastic um, workplace. I think on that, it's really interesting that again it's about having a different view I think if you've had someone come and work with you who's from the EU or from another country they're living in your accommodation look they're going to put up with having their roster issued three days before the start of a working week and working whatever you're asking them to work I had a conversation with someone just this week about this exact issue that so well actually I've started issuing rosters and people are coming back saying well actually I can't work that shift or I need the Wednesday off for my brother's birthday or my daughter I need to drop my daughter to school in the morning and their response was well how dare they I mean you know I've given them their shift and 
I think that we have to really change our mindset that if someone is a local to our area, they have everything that being local to an area comes with. They've got family, friends, commitment, and they, they, they're they not going to just be at your beck and call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I think changing that mindset really is very, very helpful. I think the second thing I would also say is that there are lots of groups of people that, frankly, because we've had a view that they've got to be full time and they've got to work 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week, we would never have considered before. I mean, mums returning to the workplace is a huge example of that. I mean, but that requires flexibility and understanding. You know, kids get sick and we know that the, these things happen like we need to be able to have that flexible flexible approach. I think we also know that uh, at Flow we're, and MAPAL we're involved in an organisation called Only a Pavement Away and Greg who's an incredible ambassador for the for the for the whole uh, vulnerable vulnerable people in work workplaces kind of cause has been incredible in bringing that whole project together and putting people from uh, the, from on the streets and homeless people into hospitality jobs from uh, from former veterans who might have had mental health issues people who are coming out of prison you know and I think that these people are all actually remarkably willing and able and driven to want to succeed and are remarkably loyal when they do come into the workplace that we shouldn't write these people off and the third one that I would just get people to consider is I get that we've previously had a lot of young people in hospitality uh, but those young people are again tended to come from overseas or be of a certain certain kind of view and, and and background i think what we ought to do is think about young adults full stop really young people and the opportunity that local young people provide to us and with that does does come a need to be able to help them understand the realities of work i mean uh, and, you know i'm sure we've all had family members and cousins and nephews and and all the rest of it that you know when you're 17 18 and you're coming to work for the first time you don't necessarily know what's expected of you and I think it is harder and these people may not have the same confidence or may not have the same uh the the same commitment that someone that's moved from Romania or from Spain or somewhere else may have because they've made that jump to live overseas mm -hmm. But I think we do need to, again, start thinking about how we integrate these young people and, and help them. And fundamentally, whether that's through a formal apprenticeship or even not a formal apprenticeship, but just about internal training and, and coaching, how we get those people in and make the most of the, the people and help them to become really great, great workers and great, great people frankly and i think of course right now uh, across the uk there's government schemes that are encouraging people to do that so that's a really big thing to look at as well i think looking outside the immediate talent workforce that we've always sort of dipped into um is going to be um quite big in the next couple of years if you look at how the way that when you train in hospitality, you acquire all these skills that are so transferable. Um, so who's to say that other other job roles that, you know, can't also move into hospitality um, too, which brings me on to my next question about maintaining brand and service standards once having reopened. It's, it's, it's all good trying to recruit, but how do we maintain that once we have... Um, once the dust has settled. So James, what would be your advice to, to a hotelier on this topic? 
I think the first thing for me, Eloise, is making sure that we've got really clear standards and procedures and expectations. One of the things that we're not going to have anymore necessarily is a base of people who have worked at our hotel for years and understand and can coach everyone around them to be able to get to that standard. I mean, I think the reality is we need to be able to be really clear on what's expected and what our service standards are and have that documented. I mean, the mm. amount of hospitality businesses I've worked with where you go in and you ask to see basic procedures and nothing's written down because it's okay because Johnny or uh, Johnny's been working here 20 years and he knows how breakfast service runs so he trains everyone well that's great but the question is is Johnny here anymore and also Johnny can't train 16 people at once so I think that there's going to be that nuance mm. I think the second piece is around uh, really concentrating on a, a few key elements that really matter or really move the needle and I think that throughout kind of customer experience design techniques, there's a whole whole view that, that of 20 things that might be on your, your service journey, it may only be two or three that, that make the difference. And what I would do is try and figure out what those two or three are and over deliver on those completely. Train people to make sure they always deliver those two or three. So, I mean, we all know what these are, right? If you're on reception in a hotel and somebody walks in, it's making sure that you welcome them <clears throat> with big open arms and a great, great big smile from the very beginning uh, so that anything, if, if, if things don't necessarily go well from there, you've always got a great relationship and that a great initial impact to fall back on and people are therefore more forgiving. So really picking up those key elements and don't overcomplicate it, just concentrate on those. I think my other one is really concentrate on culture uh, a lot. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure most people in hospitality will have run, read Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table. It's an absolutely great read. And his whole view is about this believing that if you concentrate on your team and delivering uh, a great workplace and a great culture for your team, they will deliver to your guests. And I think one of the things that we see a lot is people concentrating on pernickety little things. I mean, I remember working in a leading hotels of the world uh, organization and uh, this hotel had a, a, a 10 second, 10 second, uh, 10 second uh, timing to be able to recognize a guest and 30 seconds before you go and take their order and I mean we know that all of this stuff frankly it, it is a load of rubbish right I mean actually it's about picking the things that matter and doing them really well and I think that ultimately if you can get those team members to do what they absolutely believe is right and you've given them the training on over delivering on those key bits that's going to be what matters if those people feel happy your customers will feel happy you know it's pretty simple stuff so then looking now at the future of learning and development i'd like to direct this one to Haley as to what is that now going to look like throughout 2021 and, and maybe even beyond yeah um i mean i think technology is absolutely a massive part of that um and that's something that obviously through flow learning and the pal group we have um lots of um 
tools and platforms that can support all of our operators with the essentials and everything that they need. Um, technology is not going to go away, but it also needs to be very much blended. Um, there can't just be a reliance on technology platforms. So um, I think all of our operators need to sit down and think about how they can make part but the, the training and learning journeys that they're creating, um, how can they have the synergy of anything that is face-to-face that's essential, but backed up, organized, and I suppose controlled through technology. Um, a couple of things that we have as a provider of, of learning um, released in the last couple of months are some sort of short um, bite-sized learning modules to, to also help um, with everything James just said there. So we call them road to recovery. So how can um, a learning module just emphasize those key points um, mm-hmm. that are really essential that give your employees enough information just to remind them that every day when they turn up to shift, simple things like, um, as James said, your smile, we had one called your smile shines through. It's just using technology to reinforce key messages and it doesn't need to be long modules or documents it can be through videos it can be through um, online conversations and chats and interactions with their managers there's a such a combination of technology that's available now that we are seeing all of our um, customers really embracing Um, In the last week, um, the customer success team actually launched and hosted some mini webinars to get back to basics as to how, say, Mm. flow learning can help them in the coming weeks. And just making it really like, again, that bite size, um, little bits of information that they can just embrace and not overwhelm people. Because I think a lot of maybe operators out there are still um, a little bit daunted and overwhelmed with when they think about what technology might mean to them. Um, But all of the the great operators out there are trying to ensure they find ways to make it as manageable and easy to use as possible. And that is absolutely the the sort of mentality and ethos that we have um, within the PAL group is how can we reduce time How can we make things super efficient for operators so that everything that they need is in one place that allows them then to actually do what they all love doing, which is being on the floor, working with their teams and making sure that that guest experience is is as good as it could be. So that first point, just technology, find a way to embrace it um, and and make it part of everything that you offer to your your team members. most platforms like ourselves offer the sort of mobile app experience, which means that, um, again, everything is super quick to get to. We're not having to expect people to have computers to log into um, systems and sit down and do learning. It's very much on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, so making that part of that learning experience for everyone will be essential too. I think the actual journeys, though, that we're creating need to absolutely focus, as James said there, on those first 100 days. You need to clearly paint that picture of how are we going to help you get through that first phase of being part of our business, whether we're re-onboarding previous employees or whether it's brand new employees in the business. How do we make sure they get everything that they need to feel confident, to just know what is the things that matter um, and how to deliver that great sort of service experience? But after that, I feel like um, our, our all of our operators um, need to think about how you build that career opportunity um, vision and and using myself and James as key examples here and yourself, Eloise, we are all still very much involved in hospitality, but we are not necessarily day-to-day operators. And um, I 
I think that it's it's probably not necessarily always so obvious to people working for the first time within any kind of hotel, bar, restaurant environment that there is career opportunities ahead should they love the industry but ne- not necessarily want to always be working on the floor of the bar um, being a, a receptionist or part of a housekeeping team. Um, so making sure that as a, a operator you offer a very clear um career pathway with opportunities that are very flexible um, is another essential thing that I think everyone could be spending some time uh, making sure that they've got that message really clear um, and quite obvious for people to find as well. Um, and lastly, I would say the, the coaching mentality. So um, for, for learning and development, it's very much, I mean, our, our sector absolutely is um, the best example of this, where most people do learn by doing and working mm. with your team members is the best way to get everybody up to the standard that you expect. Um, you can't really just provide a document that says, do these 10 things in this order and everything will go well. You need to make sure that they very much embrace that that they are able to actually um they're able to to sort of offer that great service while following that checklist and the only real way to um help people get there is by coaching them and working with them on it and making sure that someone goes through those 10 steps with them um so very much that that coaching mentality and mentoring and making sure that we're all working together and helping each other um, will be an essential way to make sure that we retain people, that we grow people and that we allow them to feel really confident in everything that they do. I think that's probably the most important, important thing. James, do you have anything to add to that? I think my, my last point would be that I'm hearing more and more that there's definite shift towards paying more and trying to reduce the number of team, uh, partly because of the the challenges of, of um socially distancing or physically distancing and so on uh, but also to, to do with the fact that actually let's really commit to training and and upskilling people to the right level and then let's commit to paying them more so we get better people to begin with and mm-hmm. then let's try and work on a on a much more agile model than than to uh throw a load of people at something that isn't necessarily needed i think we're going to see this more and more i remember running the hotel I talked about in New Zealand. We, uh, when, I, when we first launched, there was around 12 or 13 front of house team members in our dining room. And actually we, one night I was like, I'm sure this is completely and utterly overkill. And everyone, no, no, this is how it works and so on. And actually what I did was said, well, look, I'm gonna get my F&B manager, my restaurant manager, myself. And there was about five or six very good people who were very experienced and I said look let's run a full Saturday night service with six of us instead of 12 and let's see how it works and it was the most seamless night that we'd ever had the revenue was great spend ahead was great customer experience was great and it's and ever since that day I it's been my philosophy of look let's pay a pound more an hour or two pounds more an hour and let's have decent people that that know what they're doing and want to do it and are committed to being there rather than someone that shows up to shift and sneaks off the toilet to look at their phone whenever they get a chance. I mean, we've all been guilty of 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 doing that, but however, <laughs> I, I I totally agree. And and framing hospitality as that career for choice, um, or as a career of choice, um, should hopefully attract those willing 
um, workers. So, and if any of our listeners do want to hear more about Mapal to inquire further, how can they get in touch with you guys? The best thing to do would probably be to visit our new website that I'm super proud of because we've just launched it. It's mapal, that's M-A-P-A-L-O-S.com. Uh, or you can find myself or Haley on LinkedIn and uh, really happy to connect on a personal basis. So. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much. It's been such a great conversation. Really enjoyed it and wish you all have a good day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Boutique Hotel News podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with industry news, head on over to boutiquehotelnews.com and sign up to our twice weekly newsletter.